Welcome to the Center for Christian Spirituality podcast. What follows is an audio recording of the weekly contemplative worship service at Chapelwood United Methodist Church in Houston, Texas. For the next 40 minutes, you are invited to engage and rest with scripture, music, prayer, silence, and brief meditations. Our hope is that you will allow wherever you are right now to be a sacred space for you, perhaps by resting in a favorite chair or lighting a candle, by gazing out a window or relaxing outside. A guide for this contemplative worship experience, including prayers, scriptures, and song lyrics, is available in PDF format at www.chapelwood.org. You can visit that same website to learn more about the Center for Christian Spirituality. The Center provides resources for people who seek a deepening relationship with God in a way that transforms their relationship with God, others, self, and the world. We are grateful you're sharing the journey with us today.
Welcome to Contemplative Worship here with the Center for Christian Spirituality at Chapelwood United Methodist Church. We're grateful for uh, your presence here and we're grateful that we can be on this uh, Lenten journey together. The season of Lent began this past, past Ash Wednesday and this is the first Sunday of Lent. And in this season, we are exploring uh, sensing God, how we can encounter God uh, through our senses. And so to begin this journey, I want to read this quote from John O'Donohue from his book, Anamkara, which means soul friend. He was a Celtic Christian uh, author and writer, a theologian. He tells us, May your body be blessed. May you realize that your body is a faithful and beautiful friend of your soul. And may you be peaceful and joyful and recognize that your senses are sacred thresholds. May you realize that holiness is mindful, gazing, feeling, hearing, and touching. May your senses gather you and bring you home. May your senses always enable you to celebrate the universe and the mystery and possibilities in your presence here. And so as we prepare to be more fully present, I invite you to close your eyes. And to begin to be aware of your senses as sacred thresholds, as John O'Donohue tells us, each of our senses are sacred thresholds to what is here, to the divine. Our senses are thresholds, or maybe even windows whereby we experience the world and God. And so I invite you to gently breathe in, and you might even imagine that as you breathe in, your, your mind is just being filled with this breath, this air. And maybe clearing out your mind, opening your mind. as you breathe in, and, and then you might imagine as you breathe in a little more deeply into the region of your heart, your lungs, that your heart is being filled with this breath. As your heart is opening, opening to this moment, opening to this place. And with an open mind and with an open heart, I invite you now to open your eyes and to find something in front of you, maybe at the front of the chapel. It might be the window, it might be a candle, it might be the icon. But with an open mind and open heart, just to use your sense of sight and to gaze on that place 
that your eye finds to look, to attend, to gaze, uh, to behold with an open mind, with an open heart, uh, that we might be more fully present and that we we might use these sacred thresholds uh, to the divine. My heart's eyes, behold your divine glory. From whence does my help come? My help comes from you, who created heaven and earth. You strengthen and uphold me, you who are ever by my side. Behold, you who watch over the nations will see all hearts awaken to the light. For you are the great counselor. You dwell within all hearts, that we might respond to the universal heart. Like the sun that nourishes us by day, like the stars that guide the wayfarer at night. In you we shall not be afraid of the darkness, for you are the light of our life. May you keep us in our going out, and our coming in from this time forth and forevermore.
Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of rushing rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. There he bowed himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, Go up now, look attentively towards the sea. He went up and looked attentively and said, There is nothing. Then Elijah said, Turn back seven times. At the seventh time, he said, Behold, a little cloud no bigger than a person's hand is rising out of the sea. A little context to that rather strange passage. For three and a half years, there had been zero rain. And that was a little bit embarrassing for King Ahab because he'd forsaken the God of Israel and he had converted the people to worshipping Baal, who supposedly was in charge of the weather. Just before that passage that we read, Elijah the prophets and the prophets of Baal have a, this big showdown on top of Mount Carmel. Basically, 
whichever God sends fire from the heavens to light the altar wins. And so the prophets of Baal, they try for hours, worshiping and praying and crying out to get Baal to send fire. And Elijah is just over to one side making increasingly sarcastic comments about what's going on. Finally, they give up. Elijah doubles down, gets them to pour water all over the wood and the sacrifice, gets it as wet as possible, goes over to one side, basically says, okay, God, do this, and fire from heaven. And then Elijah, at the start of this passage, sends Ahab away, basically saying, look, you need to get back so you can go feast because there's a storm coming. But that sound hasn't been heard in years. And then Elijah collapses to the ground in prayer. I wonder what Ahab's servant thought when he was sent out to look out over the sea and there's nothing there. So he comes back and tells Elijah, I can't see anything. So Elijah sends him again and again and again and again and again and again and again until on the last time the servant sees this small cloud in the distance. I'm reminded of my mom sending me to my room to look for something that I am convinced my brother has taken. And there it is in the very place that I've already looked five times. There are different levels of seeing. I walk into the chapel and see the stained glass window like I do every week. If someone told me to write a paragraph to describe it, I'd start looking at it differently. If someone asked me to paint it, again, I would look at it differently. I would notice the way the panels change color according to the quality of light going through it and the time of day. If someone asked me to build it, I would not be looking at the colors. I'd be looking at the construction details and what is holding that glass in place. There are different levels and ways of seeing. And I think that applies to God as well. This is probably a bad confession, seeing as I work for a church, but most days... I don't see God, like, when I'm driving to work. I don't see God when I'm wrestling with the photocopier, making bulletins, or answering emails. Most days, I don't see God because I'm not accustomed to looking. If I'm honest, I don't really know what I'm looking for. And, to, and if someone came into my office and told me that they had seen God, I'm more likely to go and want to refer them to therapy. 
and yet I sit at the piano and sing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and mean every syllable. There are times it feels like God is playing hide and seek with me and I'm a terrible seeker. Have you ever felt that way? We go through long periods of spiritual drought and it becomes our normal. And consequently, like the servant who does not see the cloud, we do not notice God. And it often takes trusting someone else to prompt us to go look again and again and again. We need someone to say, God is here. God is present. God is loving. God is good. God is smiling. In Exodus, there's this passage where Moses sees God. And in that passage, God is revealed in goodness, mercy, glory, and compassion. I wonder how my day would be different if I looked for those qualities in everything and everyone I see. What does this stained glass window reveal to me of goodness, mercy, glory, compassion? Where do I see those qualities on my daily commute? I need to learn to look and look again and again and again and again. So let's take a moment right now. Maybe look back at the stained glass window, maybe at something else that's caught your eye here in the chapel. Look and keep looking for a sign of goodness, mercy, glory, compassion, a sign of God. Let us pray with our eyes open and let us see.
God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. When we eat, we take in food through our mouths, and then we have this whole digestive system that transforms it and so that it can nourish our bodies. Likewise, when we breathe, we take in the oxygen, and our lungs transform that oxygen into something that nourishes us on a very cellular level. When we see, when we see with our eyes, we take in images and impressions, and then our brains digest those images and impressions and organize them, and some of them 
become nourishing to us. For example, I can see a tree. And I can look at a tree. I can gaze at a tree. And I can behold a tree. So at what point does that tree become nourishment for me? It's at the point of beholding, isn't it? I can see a tree. It's there. It's part of the background. I can look at a tree and notice its physical characteristics. I can gaze at the tree and appreciate its beauty. And I can behold the tree and open up my mind and my heart and my body to what it wants to give to me. To hear what it's saying to me, to pay attention to how it's moving me. It's, it's transforming me. Of course, when I say this, it's all with the understanding that God is all that is good and true and beautiful. So beholding is seeing in a receptive, hurtful kind of way. What is God saying to me? How is the divine loving mystery moving me and transforming me? So beholding is seeing on the level of the heart. In order to behold, I need to open my heart and my mind. I need to lay aside my judgments and come into the present moment, bringing all that I am and releasing my rigidity and relaxing into a softer stance to become permeable, if you will. Our daughter, Zoe, has a special relationship with the sky. We know that when we go and pick her up from school that we need to buffer in a little bit extra time for her to get from the door to the car because she is going to notice the sky. And she does, and she sees it, she I'll look up and I'll see her take her phone and she'll take all these pictures and I'll notice the expression on her face change and she gets into the car and she says, wow, did you see that? And I'm going, it's just another hazy Houston sky to me. But Zoe lives a permeable. lives a permeable life with open-heartedness, open-mindedness. And the ability to behold and let it speak to her. The sky nourishes her. And so I wonder, 
And then I would invite all of us to take a moment and scan through our recent living to a moment, a place, a time, a thing in which the thing upon which you were gazing became beholding. It nourished you. Can you feel how you were standing or sitting? What was your inner stance? And what contributed to getting you to that point? How did that impression feed you? And what did the divine loving mystery say to you through that thing? Touches earth every single moment in the setting sun, the whispers on the wind, the gentle fall of rain, the fragrance when it's over. Taste and we will see and know that God is good. May we sense your presence, oh God. May we sense your. Make our senses gay. 
touches us every single moment in the setting sun the whispers on the wind the gentle fall of rain the fragrance when it's over we will taste and we will see and know that God is O loving God and source of all, we give thanks to you for this table that offers us a feast for our senses. O God, bless to us our eyes and our beholding. O God, bless to us our ears and our listening. O oh God, bless to us our nose and in our recognizing and remembering. O oh God, bless to us our hands and touching and our blessing. O oh God, bless to us our mouths, our lips, and in our savoring. We give thanks to you for these elements before us. And we are especially grateful for 
this bread in which we're reminded that on the night before Jesus offered his life for us, that he took this bread, his disciples beheld the bread as we do now, and he broke the bread. And he gave it to his beloved ones, his students, his friends, and said, take this, eat this, savor this. This is my body that is broken for you. Do this and eat this in remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. And behold, the bread of heaven, the bread of wisdom, the bread of new life. And in the same way, he took the cup and he poured it. And he gave it to his beloved ones and said, this is the cup of life given for you, that you might be healed, that you might be transformed. Take, drink, and every time you do, Behold, I am making all things new. Let us pray. Oh God, pour out your spirit upon these gifts of bread and cup. May they be for us the life-giving presence of Jesus the Christ, that we might be a life-giving presence in this world. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We invite each one of you to partake of this meal, to behold the body and the cup of Christ. There are two communion stations. You can come forward there. And when you do, cup your hands like this, and a server will place a bit of bread in the palm of your hands. If you need a gluten-free option, come over to the organ side, and the servers will help you with that. The communion, uh, excuse me, the prayer rails are open. The uh, candle banks are also open to receive your prayers. Um, These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Would you come?
It's been so good to be together today. I'm really looking forward to this journey through our senses and how the divine uses those and invites us through those doorways. In my time of silence, Fred Rogers came up for me. <laughs> and I began wondering and remembering and going to go and do some more reading about Fred Rogers and all he teaches us about the senses as doorways to the divine. Maybe we'll have a little discussion on that one day. Anyway, today at the Anchor House at 10 is um, our uh, worship response time for further discussion and reflection um, in fellowship um, about today's service. Then um, we invite you to a community gathering. It's lunch all together at St. Arnold's. They have a wonderful outdoor space. And if you're interested in meeting up at 1130 down at St. Arnold's, let Haley know. And she's going to um, reserve some tables for us. And um, we would love to have you there. Then we're going to begin a Wednesday, new Wednesday night class based on this very topic of sensing God. It'll take place in the Anchor House at 6.30, all the Wednesday nights of Lent. And the leadership of those times will be divided between me and Michael and Peter and Teresa Rossi. Um, so we hope that you will consider joining us. And there's a registration link here in the bulletin. Also, this coming Saturday is an uh, opportunity to spend a day away in prayer at a guided, guided silent retreat where we'll be uh, reflecting on Christ and the way of the healer. Um, 
as a special addition to that day and in thinking about healing, we were going to have the opportunity to have a, um, a chair massage, as he, a healing touch. So if that does not entice you, I do not know what does, but will. So uh, sign up as soon as you can um, because spaces are limited for that day. So as is our habit, we invite you to linger, to listen, to see what comes up for you and take that word with you into your week ahead. Let us rest in the love of God. Thank you.